Hey guys, and welcome to the third episode of the Average Joe Films podcast. And as promised, this will be my Avengers Endgame spoiler special. And it obviously goes without saying there's going to be plenty of spoilers throughout this podcast. I will say that I am changing platform from SoundCloud to Anchor specifically because Anchor has limitless uploads and SoundCloud only has a, a limit of three hours total. So I'd have to delete a lot of episodes. I don't really want to do that. But diving right into this i do have a little surprise for my probable five listeners out there um and i have a guest on my show he's a very good friend of mine i met him in venice film festival last summer and it's my friend david all the way from ireland david on to you five listeners you told me there were 500 yeah. listeners you're one of them <laughs> that's right um yeah long time fan first time caller um happy to be here on skype so thanks for having me yeah, hopefully Skype does um, hold up whilst we do this. Um, we will. I will say you'll definitely be on for future episodes and we'll probably have a much better way to record this by then. But I'm three episodes in, I'm poor, and I can't be bothered to <laughs> really do much more than that than use Skype right now. Yeah, I'm not but committed Dave, to anything. Dave, shall, yeah. shall, shall we go right into this, basically? Yeah, I think dive right in, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that we break this up in because the film is three hours long and the whole internet's freaking out. Oh my god, it's three hours long. I'm thinking we actually break it down into first hour of the film, second hour of the film, and third hour of the film. That sounds good. You, the one problem you mocked the runtime there, and I feel like you didn't need to piss the entire <laughs> last two hours. It was. I'm well aware it was three hours long, and I think people are right to moan. Um. But yeah, you can. we start with the first hour, when I didn't need to piss, and uh, dive into that yeah, if you I, like. Um, I will say, if you're worried about me mocking the runtime, I'm probably going to end up mocking a lot more than the runtime as we go through, um, as I, especially as I go through my negative thoughts about the film. But yeah, let's start it off. Mm -hmm. Opening of the film, we've got the Hawkeye opening, where he's teaching his daughter a bit of archery, having a bit of a barbecue and a cookout, and at least I was feeling at this point, okay, I know exactly where this is going i don't know how it was for you yeah the same i mean it's it's been so theorized that's gonna happen they laid the groundwork in age of ultron and um yeah you were just waiting for it weren't you the poor like he was he looked so happy he looked so happy and jeremy, jeremy renner never looks happy and he looked yeah. so content and pleased and retired even though he had uh, a prison band on his ankle yeah but, but even <laughs> despite all that um I thought they did it well, though. You know, the fact that they did it a little bit off screen, but you still had that real isolation of Hawkeye when he realized and he was there in the big gasping field and, and running off and calling for his kids. Um, was that was that Kate Bishop as his daughter? Is that like going to be the the next Hawkeye or what is the story um, of that? I don't know. All I do know about the daughter is it's actually Joe Rousseau's daughter. Really? Director Joe Rousseau. Yeah, that's his oh. daughter in the film. I don't know if it's going to be a nod to anyone further, but I mean, I reckon we're going to have Marvel movies literally until the day we die at this point, so it very well could be. Yeah, kill me now. <laughs> but I will say, um, I didn't expect an opening like this going into the film. In fact, it actually really hooked me in. It was darker instantly. And in fact, I'll say from now, I think the first hour of the film is my favorite hour of the film. Is that controversial? No, it's not controversial. <laughs> you don't. You don't sound too sure. No, um, I would possibly. I don't know if it was my favorite hour of the film. Um, 
because the last hour was just so exhilaratingly, like, air-punchingly awesome. I'm not sure if you'll agree with that. But um, I think in terms of consistency of tone and in terms of characterization, the first hour was the strongest hour of the film, definitely. It was a lot more interesting in a way examining how the Avengers reacted to the end of Infinity War and actually see them take the time to develop the characters and have quiet moments, which you don't do in these films all that often. And, you know, to see Captain America at a men's group for, like, was it a men? I don't know if it was all men's. That might be bad, but at a group for, like, PTSD and depression and people struggling after the snap and to see... Black Widow sitting in like an event, an empty uh, Avengers HQ and all this. Like it was, and Tony at home as well, of course. Like just seeing them in different circumstances. Um, and I thought that they mixed the the drama and the comedy in the first hour a lot better than they did going forward. I think the second hour was the most inconsistent of the three. Well, if I was, definitely, we'll get, we'll get to the second hour as well. It's definitely the most inconsistent, but mm-hmm. I do agree with what you're saying that the first hour to me, it felt grounded. For a change in a Marvel film, it felt more about the everyday life of these characters and how they're coping rather than like, okay, let's get to the awesome stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even Ant-Man, who two films in has barely had like an actual dramatic moment. Yeah. He came back and... When he re- like the scene when he's in the um at like the memorial for the uh, for the deceased and the vanished and all yeah I thought that was brilliant when he's like searching around for uh, for his daughter's name and then he sees his name yeah no I, I did money. like that I I I, I love that they listed him as dead I, I found yeah. it quite darkly comic I guess in a way but also as as you said quite dramatic in a sense mm-hmm. but going through this in a more chronological order obviously then right after the um, Hawkeye scene we cut straight to a voiceover from Tony Stark who's drifting in space with Nebula. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this surprised me because at least... And it's, again, going back to why I like the first act so much because it does end with a bit of a rug pull as well, I feel, with the whole Thanos thing, but we'll get to that. Um, I'm going to come to my first negative point of this film. Okay, that's early. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, I, I think you know exactly what it's going to be. But I was really expecting a better way for Tony Stark to figure out how to get back to Earth than just fucking Captain Marvel showing up and literally carrying the ship back. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a plot point that was concluded almost instantly, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but I think... How long did Tony say he'd been up there? Was it 20 um, days? or Yeah, something like that. Um... So they've already been up there for a good spell in any case. And to be honest, I think it's a three-hour film. As you said, it's already a three-hour film with so much story crammed in. And I don't think we really need to see a lot of Tony and Nebula in space. Um, now, we can talk about Captain Marvel a little bit later. And <laughs> don't worry. Yeah. That, just that character in general, because I think I agree, I, I agree with you in the sense that it would have been almost nicer to see Tony or actually Nebula figure out how to get back to to earth rather than just cap showing up and dragging them back down but um that's just the nature of this character that i don't feel like a lot of a lot of things she does in the film uh 
really fit in with the rest of the characters or with the rest of the events in the film. She feels very shoehorned in general, which again, oh, we'll yeah, get definitely, to. But definitely um, shoehorned in. this was like, it was, yeah, you're right. It was the first instance of that happening. But at the same time, I was just happy to see them get out of there, get back to Earth, get reunited with Steve, uh, with Pepper, with everybody else, and just get it, get that out of the way as quickly as possible, really. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, it wouldn't even, for me, had to have been like Tony that gets them out of space or Nebula. It could have just been like, because he was like saving all those messages or something. It could have been that he was sending those messages out and um, Captain Marvel happened to be on a planet doing some of her overpowered shit and happened to hear the message or on Earth they happened to hear the message and they send Captain Marvel to get him at least rather than she just shows up. Yeah. But I mean... I, I feel I, I honestly do feel like I'm nitpicking a little bit because this is a comic book film at the end of the day and some convenient things have to happen and some more convenient things will happen as we discuss this film further, obviously. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, we'll go. I mean, they get to Earth. Um, Tony's still pissed off at Cap. <laughs> this isn't other Cap, Captain <laughs> I think, America. I think, I think just, yeah, I, I noticed that as soon as I called her Cap, I was like, oh, he's not going to like that. But <laughs> I think just, I think justifiably so, actually. And I was happy that they didn't just drop that beef. Yeah, no, I like, away, I like that Tony was still a little bit of a child about it. Yeah. Like, well, even though half the population of the entire universe is gone, <laughs> he's still choosing to um, cry <laughs> over spilt milk. Pretty, well, pretty, pretty bad spilt milk, I have he, to say. But. Spilt rotten milk, and he was—he warned them about the whole population thing as well for films, like for years and years and yeah, years. He yeah. told them about that. So, yeah, I—I I back Tony. I have to say. Yeah, no, I've always been more um, Team Iron Man than Team Cap, anyway. So I, I, I do agree with him in this regard. But yeah, um, to go through it, they all just decide on Captain Marvel's fantastic idea of oh let's just go get thanos and at least hey, this hold, had on, me hold, sitting on, in... hold on it, that wasn't a bad idea <laughs> no no i'm not saying it was a bad idea but it's like she's there for maybe four minutes and she's like let's just go and kill the guy who we've been building up for nine years <laughs> oh, and yeah i'm gonna have the biggest impact which i have no problem with because I was, as i was going to come to why it feels like a bit of a rug pull is they fly to thanos's planet and mm-hmm. thanos is living the simple life. He's basically doing what Dutch and Red Dead Redemption 2 wanted to do. He's a papaya farmer. Space Isn't papayas. The... <laughs> was, he, was he in Tahiti? Was that confirmed? <laughs> I think it was his own little version of Tahiti, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he, he definitely had a plan and enough money on that one. With a great bowling shirt. And like, <laughs> I don't think he was wearing any pants. I can't remember. Yeah, well, maybe no, I imagine I that. Remember. But yeah, they all bust in and they utterly fuck him up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they find out he's used the stones to destroy the stones. And as you can see from his leprosy-ridden arm, that he's not lying. Mm-hmm. And then we get Thor beheading him and then delivering the line of, I aimed for the head. And which obviously calls back to Infinity War, yeah. where Thanos told him next time, aim for the head. Yeah. And like, at least for me, going into this film, I think what I can really... The, some of the biggest praise I can give Disney and Marvel is the trailers they released for this film. Because mm-hmm. the trailers basically only show footage from the first act of the film. Yeah, that's right. They, they, they make it think like this is going to be um, a movie where they have to go and get the Infinity Stones. 
and they have to use those in order to fix everything. Not going to be a time travel movie. Obviously, people theorized it was going to be about time travel, which it ended up being. Mm-hmm. But I, I did get the feeling it was going to be, oh, we're going to go on a, another Infinity Stone hunt. So I liked that this really surprised me in that part of the film, and it cuts straight to five years later as well. I was like, wow, this is yeah. somewhat risky for a Marvel film. Absolutely. I, I definitely, definitely agree with you on the trailer front. Like, because they had said that, hadn't they, the Russos, that oh, we're only using footage from, they said like the first 20 minutes. And I think it was more like the first 40, 45 maybe, but even still, you were watching the trailers and going, this can't all be the first act of the film. Because there's so much setup happening here in terms of Tony getting back to Earth, in terms of Captain Marvel joining the group, in terms of um, getting their time travel suits on or whatever they are and all this stuff. But it was such clever misdirection. And I don't think... I know for Infinity War, they actually used fake scenes to throw us off the scent. Yeah. Like that one of uh, the group with Hulk running into uh, towards the camera in Wakanda. I can't oh, yeah, remember yeah, yeah, if yeah. they did. Hulk, Hulk didn't even um, come out in that final battle in Infinity War. He was just Bruce Banner in the yeah, big Iron Man suit. In the Hulk, in the Hulk buster. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, I can't remember if they used any fake shots or anything in these trailers, but I... I, I feel like it was just really, really clever way to market the film and to get us thinking it was going to be one thing. And then, like you said, with the five years later time jump, when I, I don't know, I, I saw it like the screening I went to was like 8 p.m. at night. It was totally packed. And it was almost a, a football stadium type crowd where people were reacting to everything that yeah, happened. Yeah. Um, and when the, the five years later time, the stamp came up, there was an audible gasp from people. People were, were like, what? <laughs> What? Uh, in, in my in my screening, it was just dead silence. Oh, tough crowd. <laughs> it was such a no, smart it, move, though, wasn't it? Yeah, no. Like I, as I said, I really have to commend them on that one. That's that's expert trailer design. Because usually, I'm sure I've spoken to you before. I hate watching trailers because they usually ruin a film. Oh yeah. But in in terms of this one, I had watched one, maybe two trailers for Endgame before it came out, and yeah, it completely led me to believe one thing, and they did a complete other. But going back to the film, um, it's five years later. Um, Black Widow is kind of like in charge of protecting Earth now, along with some of the remaining Avengers that we've got. Tony is nowhere to be seen because he's gone off with Pepper and he started a family. Cap is running um, an AA meeting for sad people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, so I'm going to focus on this black widow thing because i'm going to come into my next criticism of this film and guess who it involves i captain marvel yeah yeah (laughs) because because you were saying before that it it feels like she's been shoehorned in and i completely agree with you it feels like she's just been like last minute addition we need to have her in here because people are going to love a strong female character and i'm not saying that we shouldn't have strong female characters i think it's about time We've had strong oh, female characters representing, especially in superhero films. Like you know me, Dave. I'm a massive fan of Wonder Woman. Yeah, it's it's well overdue, but they've had a strong female character in the Avengers since the first Avengers, since Iron and Man you Two. Just really, read my mind because who should have had her own solo film by oh, now? Man, it makes no sense. Like yeah. there was a space in the in the calendar for a Black Widow film. Give yeah. her the prequel then that she's supposed to be getting. Yeah, in whatever next year. Anyway, this is all getting ahead of ourselves, but like, I that that should have happened a long time ago. 
she oh, should yeah, have no. been given more depth. And if she'd had her own film, it actually would have made her arc in this film a lot more well-rounded. Because at the moment... Oh, yeah, it would have been more not, satisfying. Yeah, it's not terrible right now, but um, yeah, it, it definitely feels, feels unfinished. And I don't see yeah, why it feels short-handed, I was going to say. I don't see why it's continuing now into let's phase four. Like, I don't know why... Yeah. It's anyway. Um, you were going to complain about uh, Captain Marvel a little bit more. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and there's more to come. Don't worry. But yeah, my complaint about it is because you've got um, you've got Rhodey, you've got uh, I always forget her name, the one from Wakanda, because just because I can't pronounce it. Michonne. Yeah, the one who plays yeah. Michonne in The Walking Dead. <laughs> I don't. I don't know either. Um, oh Christ. Oh, Danny Guerrero. Um. Uh, Okoye. That's did it. You know, oh, that's nice. It. Go Google. Yeah. That's it. No, I've, I've got Wikipedia open. <laughs> Sorry, Michonne, I did love you in The Walking Dead, and I actually do like you in the Marvel Universe. But yeah, you've got Okoye. She's, not, she's not listening, John. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, you've got Okoye, you've got Rhodey, you've got Rocket, and you've got Captain Marvel on their little holograms. And Captain Marvel literally in the most expositional line I think that's ever been written for a character, literally says out loud, oh, basically, I'm really busy. You're not going to see me until the end of the film. <laughs> like, TTYL, I'm, I'm out of here. Like, Yeah. Like, that, 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 that literally told me, like, when the final battle happens, that's when I'm going to turn up. <laughs> yeah, it's just such a convenient way to write her out because they've nothing to do with her. There's no reason for her to yeah. be there. Because she make has things no weakness. Easy. Yeah. Um, oh, and sorry, we did. We skipped over even in, at the beginning of the film when she first joins up with them. And yeah. Rhodey says to her, hey, if you're so strong, where have you been all this time? And she says, hey, you know, there's other planets out there that need your help. Uh, yeah. Sorry, that need my help. And they don't have you guys. Yeah. Which, yeah, but her best friend lives on Earth. She's from Earth. You'd think she yeah, would have gone back every now and again. If you're judging it by her solo film, she's definitely been around Earth. She knows about the Avengers. Yeah. She surely knows. And Fury knows her. Surely they've been in contact. It makes it's makes it's such poor writing and planning on Marvel's behalf. Yeah, it no. Her... Thinks of Kevin Feige just wanting to shoehorn that in there, as I said. Yeah. And it's I think it's such a shame because. You know, I think they've nailed a lot of things with the planning of this universe and sticking into like the jigsaw puzzles in the right places. But uh, yeah, we, I can go on about her a little bit longer. <laughs> she she kind of breaks the MCU in a way because even in the first Avengers, Nick Fury says when like the aliens turn up, like, oh, this is the first time we've had something like this happen on Earth. Whereas, no, because then Captain Marvel is set in the 90s before the Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah, we're, we're, I'm going to move away from her just so we can move on with this. But yeah, um, I, I like that Black Widow kind of took over the mantle and is now kind of ultra paranoid about protecting Earth. Yeah, it's to be fair, that is like totally fitting of her character. Throughout the films, she, in, a, in a long way, she, ha, like, she has been the most dedicated to the cause and to the group out of anybody. And she's also the one who, in a lot of ways, has had as big a presence as anyone else in the Avengers, you know, because she's has, she's been in so many of the different solo films, as well as a big part of the team-up films. And she has close relationships with Tony, with Cap, with Bruce, with Hawkeye, of course. Um, and as she said herself, like, she comes, she, she hasn't gotten any other family, and she's 
made he's adopted this family within the Avengers and it's it was kind of sad to see her like all alone especially as they kind of abandoned her there in that scene they've all got better things to be doing than sort of sitting around the room talking shop about a bad guy who's or about a problem they have no chance of solving yeah I mean then you've got Cap who's just trying to make the best of a bad situation um, yeah. Tony, t- Tony, for the for the most part as well, he's just trying to continue his life. He's got still got the woman that he loves. He's got got a daughter now. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, no, we've skipped the part because um, again, another really convenient thing that happens is how Ant Man gets brought back into the picture. But I don't have a problem with this convenient thing happening mm-hmm. because it's just a total comic book moment that a rat happens to walk over the control panel that activates the machine, which brings him back. You know what? I, you know what I like about that is that in Infinity War, Doctor Strange has a line along the, something, something like a, you know, he he's looked at something like fourteen million, blah blah blah, oh, yeah, different yeah. variations of what can happen. And I was thinking about it and saying, fourteen million is a lot of variations. But think of how many other buttons are on that little thing. Like how many yeah. other buttons the rat could have stepped yeah, on. Yeah. It works for comedy, and also it makes sense that like the odds are really against them, and that. What are the chances of that? It kind of worked, I think, in a way. Yeah, no, it, it, it worked for me. It's just a convenient occurrence which happens in these kinds of films, but it's one that I enjoyed in this case. Yeah. I find it quite funny. Like, I, in, the, in the film, I was going like, oh, come on, like, a rat did it. <laughs> like, as, as you said, because, like, as you said, what are the odds? It's, yeah, it's, exactly. just, it's just one of those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and moving on from that, as you said, he's got that great scene where he goes to the memorial and he finds his own name on the yeah. memorial. And he's got a quite an emotional um, reconnecting with his daughter, who still happens to be alive. And props to Paul Rudd as well for selling that scene. You yeah, know, I, I, I don't really rate Paul Rudd that highly unless he's in a comedic role, but he, he's, he's all right. Yeah, it was actually a really, really touching scene as well. Yeah. Um, uh, and we then he rushes off to yeah, Avengers we, HQ. We go, <laughs> we go straight to comedy again, yeah. where he begins the quip of... Um, I was going to say it's one of my favorite clips of the film of he's Ant-Man and no one knows who Ant-Man is. Yeah. <laughs> and he's speaking to the camera as like, hey, it's Scott Lang. Like, it's Ant-Man. You definitely know who I am. Yeah, we kind met in Germany. Like... Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he gets in and he starts telling them about the quantum realm. And they're like, oh, like, wow, you spent five years in the quantum realm. And he was like, no, it was more like five minutes. And mm-hmm. that's when this time travel plot starts to rear its head. That was as soon as he brought that up, I'm like, oh, this is where it's going. You must have suspected the whole way along. You must have known. I did have theories. I yeah. thought it was going to be an alternate reality kind of thing, not necessarily time travel. Right. So that they would they break into what like a, like a Doctor Strange kind of, or it would be set in the Soul Stone, or like what kind of. I mean, I just figured out they were going to get the stones in some way to go to an alternate reality to bring everyone back from that reality, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think the, the, there was actually a line at the end of um, Ant-Man and the Wasp, isn't there? Like, Michelle Pfeiffer says something about you can, like, pop out of the quantum realm in, like, a totally different time yeah. and space. So that was, for me, what really kind of said, okay, they're, they're definitely going to utilize that, especially as Ant-Man knows the quantum realm so well at this point. And <laughs> um, I think it was suggestion, like, Captain Marvel travels is inter- interdimensional as well, or is supposed to be, so... Actually, uh, as far as I know, that was just shit talking from Samuel L. Jackson to make people <laughs> believe that in the build up to Endgame. Uh, 
I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, no, so am I actually. Yeah. I, I give her less power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is this this podcast is coming off a very certain way now. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I feel passionately about characters who are mistreated. That's that's all it is. Misused and mistreated. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, but we'll we'll get to that. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a, can we just go on record and say we it it's a shame that they've botched it because she's such a cool character. It oh, is yeah, so important totally to have a, shame. a female character at the center of a franchise. Her film did really well. Brie Larson's a great actress, and yeah, can't be denied. I want I want to root for the character. I just don't. Don't read. I can't. <laughs> not, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, because my problem is when like. If you've got a significantly overpowered character, which comic books always have, mm. to give them stakes against what they're doing is very difficult. But like, people always mention the most overpowered character in comic books is Superman, arguably, right? But at least Superman has kryptonite. That's, it's a direct weakness. It can kill him. Mm. And so far, it seems like there's nothing that can stop Captain Marvel. Yeah, you know, in her, in her solo film, I wasn't the parent until right at the end when she like tore down those spaceships and this went yeah, like, absolutely mental. When I was like, "Oh shit, she's like unstoppable." unstoppable. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. Go, going back to the film because we're going off on marvelous tangents. Nice. Um, yeah, terrible pun. Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, Ant Man puts the idea. Well. Shall I say Ant-Man or Scott Lang? Same thing. Um, Ant-Man puts the idea in Natasha's and Cap's head that time travel is a possibility, but they need a bigger brain to do it. So they go to none other than Tony Stark. Mm -hmm. And he's living the simple life as well. He's got a lovely little, well, little, he's got a big house by a lake in the woods. He's got a little girl with him who has actually... I have to say, for the little time he did have with his daughter, very believable, very cute relationship. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? It was sweet. Yeah. And it, 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 it panged of foreboding, but it was, uh, yeah. yeah, it was very believable. And living happily with Pepper as well on the farm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like, instantly, I mean, it's not a bad thing to predict it, but I knew instantly he was going to refuse to work with them because I said, okay, now he's got his family life, he has peace, and he's trying to make the best of a bad situation because they lost and he doesn't want to lose anything again. Yeah, definitely. And it, like, from a character point of view, it's a totally fair decision as well, you know? Oh, yeah, 100%. Because he actually, he kind of, there's so many times when he's peeled away from Pepper and from the commitment of family to go off with the Avengers and... Again, like he says, spring one last surprise and every time. Um, so it was actually, in a way, a big moment for him to just say, you know what, no, no, this is, yeah. this is a, not a fight worth fighting and yeah. I've got too much to lose. And I like that by that point, after five years, he's now, because he's obviously found his peace with his family, he's managed to let the thing between him and Cap go. He even invites them in for lunch as long as they promise not to talk about time travel, basically. <laughs> Yeah, which they kind of rudely uh, <laughs> rejected that invitation. Yeah, I know. What, what a bunch it. of dicks. Like, they haven't yeah. seen him in five years, and they just say no, like, to his face. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a little bit... Uh... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then we go to the next smartest person in um, the MCU, which, I mean, I figured it was going to be Bruce Banner, but when he shows up as, like, a walking, talking, regular Hulk, I mean, oh my God. I, I have to say, 
I actually love it. My first reaction was a real, um, I really wasn't sure about it, you know? Just, it, it, it makes total sense, again, for the character to have the two personalities blend based on his arc in Ragnarok and his arc in Infinity War. Yeah. Oh, there was something about seeing the Hulk, you know, sitting in a diner dressed in a, <laughs> yeah. a flannel shirt, dabbing the kids. I was like, yeah. no, um, no, I don't like it. Then they saw like the Ant, the Ant Man quip again, where he asked for a selfie with the kids, and they just say no. Never gets old. <laughs> but like, you know what, Professor Hulk, if you can call him that or whatever, he really he really grew on me, actually. Yeah. It was, yeah. Um, I bought into it really quickly. It was around the time when um, when they went back to base, and when they he started interacting with the other characters properly and yeah. fiddling with time travel. And yeah. again, getting too far ahead of ourselves, but going back to New Asgard and everything like that just totally sold me. Yeah. And going on to New Asgard, this is, I think, one of my <laughs> favorite aspects of the film. And we're probably going to have a long chat about Thor Lebowski. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, as soon as he turned around with that beer belly and the big beard and the matted hair and Korg was there, they were playing Fortnite. <laughs> New Master 69 was giving them yeah. shit. <laughs> uh, but no, no, I, I love, like, as you know, I hated the first two Thor movies. I hated Thor in every single Avengers movie before Infinity War. Um, mm-hmm. But the great Taika Waititi and Thor Ragnarok completely fixed that character. And now he's actually someone who's one of my favorite characters in this universe. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And it was such such a smart move. Yeah, for them to do it that is... with him because, like, sorry, but the only the only arc you could think of alternatively for Thor would be like another revenge arc, another redemption yeah. arc, and he's done that so many times. Yeah. So to turn that character on his head, to let Chris Hemsworth like probably improvise, do more of what he did yeah. on Ragnarok, fuck around. <laughs> and... I was gonna say what it really looks like at least is Chris Hemsworth seems to really be enjoying his time as Thor. Yeah, he seems like, to, doesn't he? And he yeah, was... there's just a whole different energy around the character now. And he was one of the ones again who earlier on in the phases was almost even more than Chris Evans kind of saying, you know, oh we'll see when the contracts are up and like not sure how many more films I'll do. And you would have said his yeah. position was very tenuous, but no, he seems to be loving it, yeah. and you can see why. Like he's just getting to play around, and he got all the best lines in the film. That bit when he was like um, giving his presentation to the group about uh, about Asgard and about Jane Foster and all that when he was like, <laughs> "How many beers deep?" was just brilliant. Yeah, that was a, yeah, that was, that was a very good one. And actually, did you notice? Did you notice that um, in that scene, Korg was wearing a full pineapple shirt and pineapple shorts, yeah. which is yeah. the outfit popularized by Taika Waititi. Yeah, no, I mean, okay. that character, I think, is quite literally him. <laughs> yeah, and again, it's perfect, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, I love Korg. I mean, I hope to, we, I hope we see him more. Um, but yeah, moving on with the film, um, we go to what I felt was a very cool sequence, and finally, this character has some semblance of interest to him and we started the film with him and we visit him now in a much different mind state to the one he was in and it's Hawkeye also known as Ronin Mm -hmm. also known as Clint yeah (laughs) and we have that awesome sequence in the rain in Tokyo where he's just murdering people 
straight up killing. Yeah, which he might just, be he doesn't care anymore. Possibly the most brutal, just unflinchingly dark scene in the the MCU. Oh yeah, no, he's 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 just killing bad people for the sake of killing bad people at this point, which is, I mean, bad people suck, but you don't just go around killing people. Well, no, I loved his actual reasoning for it as well, in that he said like Thanos snapped away fifty percent of the world, and those guys got to stay, and yeah. they, we lost so many good ones, and you guys yeah. got to stay. I thought that was actually a really compelling, like mantra for him, and like. Yeah, totally it's compelling, but it also adds like what I like this kind of unhinged element to him because yeah. even like he's he's the first one to throw himself under the bus with the um, time travel testing. He's the first one who puts his hand up to test it. Yeah, he's he's already lost everything he could lose. Yeah, and he's just one hundred percent throwing everything into this time heist. Yeah, yeah, and moving on a bit further, then we have Tony Stark, another very cute interaction with his daughter, but prior to that, he is working on something on a really cool holographic table thing. And, I mean, we all know what he's working on. (laughs) And he figures out time travel. And his daughter catches him, they have a snack, he puts her to bed, and we get the, probably what's now going to be famous, I love you 3000 line. Stop. I mean... That, that that was your review on Letterboxd. I love this 3000. I do. I do, I do love that 3000. <laughs> yes. I do. It's, it's, as I said, it's very effective with the short time that we're given with um, Tony Stark and his daughter. It, it's very well done. It's very cutesy. And it's, it's the right amount of cutesy. It doesn't, it's not too cheesy. And obviously now Tony's feeling torn because he's figured out time travel. He He could potentially help the remaining Avengers get everyone back. Um, where does the film go from there, exactly? Um, I think he does, he... does he? He's already seen the picture of Tom Holland by that point, hasn't he? So I think yeah. immediately after leaving his daughter, he has a scene with Pepper when she kind of yeah. says, okay, you, yeah. you're, I can't stop you doing this, so you should go do yeah. this. And then after that, I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty much straight into him speeding to... Avengers HQ and giving yeah, Cap yeah. back the shield. Yeah, yeah, th- th- I I did like that that he gives um, Cap back the shield, the shield that he took in Civil War. Because mm. I actually completely forgot that Cap doesn't use his actual shield in Infinity War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got those two. Um, yeah, those two like funny arm shields. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, now I guess we're just starting the second hour of the film at this point. Yeah. Um... Um, which now we have a few montages. <laughs> I love a montage. Yeah, I mean everyone loves a good montage. And it, yeah, the necessary montages. What 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 kind of montages do we have again? Um, just building oh, time travel stuff and them trying to figure out exactly where the stones would be, and they deduce that if they go onto the right day on the right year, there are three stones in New York City at the same time. We also have the crucial scene that. We have Bruce Banner basically explaining to Hawkeye, don't we? And explaining to Ant-Man, yeah. I think, about yeah. how time travel is going to work. Yeah, this is, is before... a crucial one. Right before Hawkeye decides to jump back in to test the time travel that they've now designed. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And he tells him it's not in the way that Back to the Future works. <laughs> basically. Basically, <laughs> if, you fuck with the fa- with the, if you fuck with the past, it's not going to change your future, basically. Yeah. And, you know, I think 
I think this film plays it very fast and loose and doesn't really yeah. care too much about the rules. I mean, it doesn't need to because at the end of the day, it's, again, a comic book movie and it's obviously got science fiction elements to it and it's got mm. fantastical elements to it. So, yeah, they, they get a free pass on this one. I'm not going to look for holes in it like I would in a serious science fiction film. It's, it's there for fun. And I do like how they just completely reference... It's almost fan service how they throw in Back to the Future so many times into this film. Yeah. <laughs> Is your whole plan based on Back to the Future? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Hawkeye does go back in time. And he brings back his son's um, baseball mitt. Which proves it works. They can go back in time and they can bring solid objects back. Mm-hmm. And then we have the very cool suit up. I do like the suits, the time travel suits, the like white and blue Avengers yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. Not sure why they're necessary. Is there, oh, no, to store the pin particles. Is that why they're... I guess. Uh, again, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> like, yeah. They, they look cool. They, um, they, yeah, they, they look cool. <laughs> That's yeah. all we need. <laughs> uh, but we find out, this something we did forget, is um, they have enough pin particles for two tests and then one round trip each. And by yes. that, that would mean you can get there and you can get back and that's yes. it. Yeah. So they split into teams. We've got Thor and Rocket, which I love as a duo. Absolutely. <laughs> um, they're going to Asgard to extract um, an Infinity Stone from poor old Natalie Portman. Yeah. Uh, and you've got Hawkeye and Black Widow they're going to Vormir, mm-hmm. horrible place, mm-hmm. to, to get the Soul Stone. Rhodey and Nebula are going to, I forget the name of the planet, but the first planet we see in Guardians of the Galaxy where Peter Quill's Star-Lord gets the, one of the Infinity Stones from. Yes. And then we've got the remainder. So Hulk, Iron Man, Cap, and Ant-Man are yeah. off to New York to get the remaining um, stones. Now this, I... Really liked because this felt like, like, MCU greatest. We go back to all these old scenes, films, past places, and past events are happening around them. And I like, I thought it was really cool, especially going back to New York in particular, and seeing the battle unfold from a different perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the out of all those scenes, the New York one worked brilliantly. I yeah. thought it worked really well. It was almost like. The fact that the action was happening concurrently, yeah, with the first film, um, and the fact that we almost got more detail afterwards, so we got like almost the deleted scene of okay, what happens when they got the tesseract back, and what did they do with it? What did they do? <laughs> they went downstairs, they met Robert Redford, Hulk took the stairs, which yeah. was just a brilliant bit. Um, <laughs> I thought that it was, yeah, it was just, it was really smart the way they did it and the way that, yeah. um. Like the scene with Captain America in the elevator was so well done. The Winter Soldier callback. I was I, I was going to bring this up. I was yeah. going to bring this up. You're going to complain about it because I'm not a massive fan. No, um, it's actually a good thing. Um, I'm not a massive fan of Captain America in general. I feel like his character throughout the last few films has been a bit too good at times, where it's been annoying. Mm. It feels like this guy can only do good things, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I. I tend to agree a little bit and I think a lot um, of people kind of feel that way about him. Yeah, but I did like that um 
this segment in New York, it kind of poked fun at a lot of things Captain America did before. Like, for example, the Hail Hydra scene. Um, I've got two friends who you can't say the words Hail Hydra in front of them because they just start laughing. Because when they went to see the Winter Soldier, they just found the Hail Hydra thing hilarious. That these people who are meant to be the secret organization and you're hearing this phrase mentioned every four minutes. They're like, this makes no sense. So I love that they just got Captain America to just give it a, a classic like Hail Hydra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what I did love when he fights himself yes. and his past self is just like, his past self is just like the typical like college, like pretty boy. He's just so <laughs> righteous. Like, I love he knocks him down and he goes like, he's like, I'll never quit. He's like, yeah, I know. Like it acknowledges how cheesy and how true good that old Captain America used to be and how the new one is at least in a different place. He even uses a complete cheap shot to end that fight. <laughs> oh yeah. The woman, Bucky's alive. Yeah. <laughs> he just knocks him out. <laughs> yeah. And it, it like, it showed how far the characters actually come. And generally one of my pet peeves in superhero films are when superheroes fight superheroes. Oh, like, sorry, fight like alternative versions of themselves. Yeah. I think it's so lazy, yeah. but I think, it really worked with the cap fight. Yeah. I, for me, at least what I took from it, is that it was really putting to bed the idea of a Captain America that always follows the rules, which I love. I, I, I don't want a Captain America that always follows the rules. I don't want him to be cheesy. I don't want him to be all good all the time. I, I like the new cap. I, I like that he's a little bit more on the nose, a little bit grittier. Mm. Like even um, in, back in the first act of the film, when they say like, oh, we're going to go get Thanos just like that. And he's like, yeah, just like that. <laughs> yeah. And he also says, let's kill this son of a bitch. Yeah, Whereas they, in they, Age they, of Ultron, they he's correcting Tony for, for dropping like a shit bomb or something. Like he, yeah, he wouldn't they, let him curse. He drops the word bitch in this film. <laughs> yeah, this is huge. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought it worked really well. And I think that's that like this new version of Cap is one that's really supposed to have been implemented as soon as civil war was over if not winter soldier this cap who doesn't play by the rules yeah and, and we did i guess we did see it in winter soldier in that he was going against the grain and going against the government but he was still fighting for what he believes was right but it was only yeah. at the end of that film when he drops the shield and he walks off like he's no longer captain america he's his own man he plays by his own rules yeah infinity war he didn't really have any time on screen which is the thing we yeah. didn't see this cap really but then in this yeah. film his role is way boosted up, get much more time. And yeah, like you, definitely this film out of all of them was the best Captain America film. Oh, hands down. Across the board. Hands down. But yeah, going more on this New York thing, I thought it was really cool that um, they included um, the Sanctum Sanctorum and the Ancient One just shooting down people yes. from the sky as they flew over her building because yeah. i did wonder like this building's meant to be in new york someone must have been there when this attack happened like yeah yeah and it was a total like i never would have thought of that. i never saw that coming at all and the fact that it was her and not strange was such a like obviously it made sense but it was a curveball i was like really surprised yeah. to see her yeah and it's just great to see tilda swinton because i love tilda swinton absolutely um yeah but we this is the most confusing part of this film because, I mean, this kind of feels like a film within itself because this second act is so, I'm going to use the word, spread out over so many places. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, you've got two different people on two different planets and then three people are on Earth. Um, Rocket and 
Thor, they're in the realm of the gods. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's jumping all over the place. Yeah, and it can be a bit jarring. That, that's my biggest complaint with the second act. Like, I didn't feel some at times that I got enough time, I guess, on one planet at a time, not in total, because I feel some of the switches were a bit inconsistent. In fact, mm. I we do spend most of our time on Earth in New York in this um, hour of the film. Yeah, but I, I think the problem for me was that it wasn't so much pacing. It was just that I didn't find... I found the New York angle and the Earth angle was really strong, but I didn't find that the other ones held up to the same same standard. I felt that the the Rhodey and Nebula angle, while that was really important for the story overall, yeah. obviously, in that she has to get caught. Yeah, and, but it was okay, it was very glossed over. Very quite glossed over. Um but you could you could see where it was going. Yeah. And it was still quite drawn out. I did love the fact that they had the um the the quill scene from the beginning of Guardians One. <laughs> yeah, that was good. And just went just from the other direction. Out. It was really yeah, really <laughs> funny. I had to see him like dancing yeah. without the music. Um it was a brilliant callback. I, I think I do think that was a smart way to bring Thanos back into the film. But yeah. in terms of like when you're juxtaposing that with the New York plot point, when that's high octane, it's funny, um it's full of surprises, this is just a little yeah. bit slower. Um the Asgard one I thought was all right, actually. But yeah, was... that's probably actually what I was hoping would be the best one. It's probably the weakest one. The Asgard I one? Think, yeah, I think what does salvage the Asgard one is when Thor meets his mother. Yeah, exactly. It takes a little bit long getting to that point. Yeah, it kind of like almost shuts off his arc in a way. When he meets his mother, like he, he can lose. Like he's not... He just because he's a god doesn't mean he can't suffer loss like anyone else has, like any mortal can, I suppose. And, and it's suffered, okay to be afraid of that. Like he's suffered a lot of it, to be fair. Oh, yeah. And he hasn't oh, yeah. shown any inkling in in Ragnarok, in Infinity War, of breaking down ever. So it actually was important to see that side of Thor as well, yeah. that more vulnerable side, and like obviously seeing his mother was what brought it out of him, and then yeah, eventually kind of gave him that kick up the ass and said, "You have to keep going." Yeah, it, it humanized him, I felt. Yeah. Um, but I, I, th- I thought it worked for comedy as well, like you said. Like yeah. the idea of Rocket having to sneak into Natalie Portman's room yeah. and like get the soul stone, the stone, I, the stone out of wherever it was. I can't remember. <laughs> like, it was... I, I just love, I, I don't know why, I loved it in Infinity War. It seems to be an Asgardian thing. But I just love that Thor always calls um, Rocket Rabbit. And so do all the Asgardians <laughs> when they see him. They scream that there's yeah. a rabbit. I, I, for some reason, I don't know why, but the confusion between a, ra- a raccoon and a rabbit is hilarious to me. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> it's... <laughs> I just used to love in Infinity War. He just was like, ah, oh, rabbit. <laughs> rabbit <laughs> so <tree>. good. <laughs> yeah. um, um... Going to um, the Soul Stone planet, my name, my uh, Vormir, okay. that's it. Okay. I know yeah. I had the name. Yeah, and we've got Black Widow and Hawkeye. Now, I fully predicted where this one was going to go because of how you have to get the Soul Stone because that's laid down in Infinity War. In order to get the Soul Stone, you have to sacrifice a soul. Yeah. So them two going to that planet, I'm like, okay, one of these characters isn't coming back. <laughs> but can we talk about that for a second? Because the, the, the pacing with that one was weird because they were shown. They were like one of the first groups to be shown to be. Yeah flying at the space 
Yeah. And then we leave them for ages quite a while yeah until we come back to them <laughs> like easily like, 25 minutes when they were montaging and they were making these decisions whose idea was it to send hawkeye and black widow like the, the only two people in the group okay not the only two but the only group who doesn't have someone with them who has been to space before neither of them have been to space yeah. there they are just casually flying to vormir and they go up on their own to red school and like nebula has been back from from space they all know what happened to gamora yeah. in the last film it doesn't come as any shock to black widow as to how she has to get the soul stone but it's almost like she's forgotten or something and then yeah like it was just so clumsy and obviously it has to be those two it has to be sacrifice yeah. the person you love and yeah i know it has and to get to that, that point, that's why just, that's why so ham-fisted yeah it was a very weak part and especially how it happened where like i i i, I genuinely thought that one of them was just going to make a rash decision and like hit the other one, knock them out, and then just kill themselves, which it looked like it was going to happen. But then they have like a little wrestling match over <laughs> who's going to kill themselves first. Yeah. And as you said, it felt very ham-fisted. And like, it, I, I mean, if I was Scarlett Johansson, I'd feel very annoyed about how they've one treated Black Widow throughout the entirety of the MCU because, as we discussed before, she totally deserves her own movie. I mm. would watch that film. I'd happily, happily have Black Widow leading the Avengers for years to come. Mm. And they give her this weak death, which is literally just a cookie cutter of Gamora's death in Infinity War. I, even, Dave, you won't believe it, but she even dies in the exact same pose as Gamora I know, does. I know, she dies in the exact <laughs> same pose. It's so lazy. It's so, it's lazy. so lazy. <laughs> and it just, it robs her of that moment as well. And it's robbed her of so many moments throughout yeah. the franchise. She, again, she should have had her own film by now. Yeah. And, and, I don't really understand what their their thinking is. That being said, it it did have to be her. It couldn't yeah. have been Hawkeye because he his arc isn't near finished. He had to get his yeah. family back. He has to close this out. But like, it made sense for it to be Black Widow. But just the way they did it, yeah. it was I feel, frustrating. I feel it would have been better if like she pinned him down with something, and then just like dramatically walked off the edge and like said goodbye. And he's there like. Yeah, screaming like, and crying that could have been if, way better if, than if them she'd having like, gotten a fight, to do it like, yeah if she'd gotten to do it of her own, like by her terms rather than this kind of like tumble down the the mountain yeah, and then like, to see who falls first like yeah, it was he, he jumps and then she throws out a grappling hook <laughs> yeah but like speaking like i mentioned a minute ago about um about cap america yeah. about his role being like reduced in infinity war but black widow was the same like she had no, nothing to do no, in that film, really. No, no. Um, She's really been misused in she, yeah. another female character being misused and, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, and, and I'm pretty sure it was either the writers um, or the Russos who came out and said, yeah, the reason that Widow was kind of marginalized was because there were other characters with more story to tell, but she's going to get her moment in Endgame. But she didn't. Like, again, it wasn't... She, <laughs> it wasn't ugh, a good moment. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't... It was a fine moment, but this wasn't... She deserved a lot more than that. You know? Yeah, no, she she deserved a great moment. <laughs> yeah. And she'll get it in her solo film this time next year. But, like, it's just... Unless they're... I, it doesn't make any sense to, like, open up the next wave of Marvel films with a prequel. So I hope to God they're not going to fucking find some way to bring her back. And this isn't going to yeah. be some dimension hopping, soul stone set. Like, I don't know. It's just, It was disappointing that, that the way she went. But, again, she did have to go. Yeah. Um, but it was a little bit hammy. Yeah. Okay. Going back to Earth now. 
um, fast-forwarding through this a bit, Hulk speaks to the Ancient One. She explains to him that he can't just take the Time Stone because if you do that, it fucks up all the thing in time. And they have the whole conversation about, oh no, what if we come back and we put the stones back in the exact point where they were going to be taken anyway just to arrange the timeline. That's, again, driving home this idea of... I mean, to me, that kind of contradicts what Bruce said earlier of changing stuff in the past doesn't affect the future. But I guess she said it it fractures a timeline. She's Oh, no, no, that was it. She said it it creates an alternate universe. That's what she said. Exactly. So, like, if he he had taken the Soul Stone then and not come back with it, she veers off. Like, yeah. Fast and the Furious style. Yeah, she goes crazy. one road, he goes the other road, and then. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think it made sense, but like, yeah. yeah, it was it was pretty. It was actually kind of complicated, to be fair. Like time to travel always is, but yeah, um, yeah. I've I've more questions about that whole dropping the soul stones back thing as in how did did they have to get it back to the exact moment that he took it or was it like a little bit later you can drop a bass whenever you're ready i'll, I'll be i'll be here like yeah. how exactly did they get it back the, the soul stone is a weird one probably not that important in it's, the it's grand a, scheme of things but yeah but he got it anyway he got the stone yeah yeah um yeah and then going back to um the avengers tower where we were discussing cap and everything mm-hmm. um i don't think we need to go through much on that, apart from the Loki in the room. Yes. Loki yeah. takes one of the stones again, and they are forced to go back further in time. Yeah, like, it's Loki. <laughs> you know, he's... When is, like, you might, he's got... com- you might completely disagree with this, but when are they just going to fucking kill that character? Um... No, I don't know. Do you know <laughs> he's, when... had so, he's had so many false deaths. Like... Yeah, but the last one was real, you know, in the present day timeline. The last one was but, real. Like, where did Loki go? We don't know. Could have been anywhere, you know, different timeline. He's still yeah. technically dead, but he has a Disney Plus series to uh, to headline. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's, I, yeah, I let's, let, it's, let's it's go straight to the seventies. <laughs> okay, let's go back to the seventies. Yeah, which is actually this was a brilliant sequence as well. This is actually yes, really no. touching. I love this specifically just because of the way it ends. The way it ends with Tony and his and his dad. Yeah, I yeah. thought that like again like the person who has the best arc throughout the MCU and definitely throughout the last two films is Tony Stark, Iron Man. Yeah, yeah, agreed. It, 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 Cap, it, Cap actually isn't far behind, but yeah, no, Cap's a close second, but if anyone had real attention when they were writing the character, it was Iron Man. Yeah, the way he's changed from his literal first movie back, whatever it was, 11 oh, years yeah. ago, yeah. through his own solo trilogy and everything, coupled with Avengers and then Age of Ultron, and then almost since then, the way, okay, he hasn't had any more solo films, but like in each of his appearances, be it Civil War, Homecoming, these two films his arc has still expanded and the, the actual dramatic change we've seen in that character has been definitely the biggest leap oh, yeah. out of anybody. And it was a really nice moment, wasn't it, to see like that send-off between him and his dad. And he says, Oh, like, yeah, it was great. Thank you. Which is something yeah. he might not have said in Iron Man 1 by any, by yeah. any stretch. Yeah, no, it was... I, as I said, I, 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 they were taking a really big risk with that, I felt, going that far back. 
Um, this actually, this sequence, my biggest and probably only complaint about this sequence back in the 70s is we have quite possibly my least favorite Stan Lee cameo of all time. Uh, and, and it's his last one. I think it wouldn't be an issue if it wasn't the last one, would it? You know, If it wasn't the last one, it definitely wouldn't be an issue. But the fact that it is, and even the fact that he's de-aged in it, and it's such a weak cameo where he's had some, he's had some incredible cameos before. Mm. It's very weak. I thought it was all right. I think, I think he would have liked it. Do you know, I think you can imagine him. Yeah, I mean, the best part about it was that um, he had a bumper sticker on his car, which said um, "Nuff said," which was apparently one oh, yeah. of his catchphrases. So, and which is kind of fitting in yeah. the circumstances, isn't it? So, I mean, yeah, um, it's just nice to see Stan one more time. Yeah, and to be fair, they've given him a really nice send off in Captain Marvel and also in uh, Into the Spider Verse. Yeah, no, Into the Spider Verse was one of, was one of the best ones. To, yeah, I I think he's had a really nice kind of and Infinity War they had a nice one as well. I think they've had like yeah. a nice run of tributes and yeah, it was it was a side note. Um I, I actually really liked seeing Cap find Haley again. Um yeah. sorry, Peggy Carter was a nice little little moment and that kind of moment yeah. either side of the glass, knowing he's so close and yeah. we've already seen her like on his locket and everything. Yeah. Um knowing that he can't veer off and talk to her or he'll fuck everything up and he won't yeah. and never get back um but again that was a nice character moment for him and kind of gave us a signpost about where his head was at and where he was going yeah. to go on yeah. going forward as well it probably i mean for the end of the film it probably put the idea in his head from there maybe it planted the seed as to what he was going to do if everything went their way yeah definitely definitely anyway our heroes have their infinity stones at least have we discussed everyone i think we have i think so i think so i think so, I think so they, they go back to they go back to hq they go back and they make a new gauntlet they make the iron gauntlet this time mm-hmm. yeah and they deduce that i mean the hulk says he's the only one that should be doing the snap because the energy coming from it is gamma which is literally what he's made of <laughs> so sure yeah we if, any, if anyone's going to do it, I would have. I think a couple of viewers probably could have handled it, but uh, you know, he did all right. He did all right. It worked. Yeah. Um. And yeah, now we're going into the final hour of the film. Um, Hulk snaps his fingers. Everyone's back. So it seems. Oh, actually, you know what we have missed in all this, because again, that second act, second hour is so vast and it goes all over the place we skipped over the whole nebula stuff where her body gets changed out for 2014 nebula yeah 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 and the whole we like did, we, we, yeah Thanos coming back into it as well yeah um, that was clever I thought that was a really clever way to to bring him back it was a good way to bring him in you know yeah. and as I said I didn't um, I didn't love that that little sequence of herself and Rhodey being um, on the planet, and I thought that was a little bit drawn out, and you could see where it was yeah. going, but it worked, and it was a good way to kind of... There was that dramatic irony where the heroes thought they'd solved it, they were so close, but we know that that's not that's not Nebula, and that's not present-day Nebula, at least. And um, yeah. it was kind of like seeing a different Thanos as well, like a yeah. younger Thanos who 
isn't who he was in Infinity War necessarily. Yeah. And there was a again back to the football crowd in my screen there was an audible groan and like an oh fuck <laughs> when people saw him back on the screen as well which was great um my only issue with all of that and you might call nitpick but mm. apparently people on the internet agree with me oh shit um <laughs> when they're obviously back and they've um snapped the fingers and everyone's back nebula runs off puts in a bunch of stuff into their time travel machine and brings Thanos' entire ship to the present day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wouldn't <laughs> she have needed PIM particles? <clears throat> did she have now, any? Did she have any no. in Nebula suit? No? no? Yeah, she did, no. didn't she? She had them with the Thanos, she would didn't she? Yeah, but she'd have one. Oh. I mean, a lot of people are saying like, "Oh, they mu- like Thanos's people must have just figured out a way to do it without using pin particles," which is just like, <laughs> it's completely ignoring the problem, and it doesn't take a lot away from the film because like you need this to get the exciting climax. Yeah. But I'd be lying if I said if I if I, if I said it wasn't in my head at the time of okay, where did you get the pin particles from to make that happen? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, it's the first time I've thought about it, and I'm kind of glad because it kind of pisses me off now that you mentioned it. <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah. Look, I mean, that's that's Marvel, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's just another convenient thing. Yeah. Um, it's it's, oh, fuck, it's that's gonna wreck my head. Somewhat forgivable. Yeah. I hope it does. <laughs> anyway, going going into the last hour of the film, uh, as I said, snap the fingers and Avengers HQ just gets bombed to shit. Yes. Um, I thought some people were gonna. Did you die. think Ant Man was was gone when he got hit by that? Uh... That um, no, I thought they were gonna kill Hawkeye here. When like, the oh no, that would like been... chasing him down the hall. That would have been, de- but like, yeah, right after hearing his wife's voice on the phone. Yeah, that yeah, been devastating. Yeah. Um, That's what I was done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I, I thought, um, I thought Ant Man was a goner, like, cause that 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 uh missile hit him like head on, as well, and sent him flying back. So like, yeah. <laughs> It was a proper blast, like, um, but, yeah, again, um, it, it was a good moment in that, like, it gave them no time to celebrate that little victory. And as well, yeah. you, you knew everyone was back, but you didn't realize, okay, where, if, if Hawkeye's wife is back, where is she? Is she back on, back on the ranch? Is she somewhere else? Like, where do yeah. these people exist? What time frame are they in? Are they the same, same, people, same people who left today? So we still don't know the status of any of our other heroes and we haven't had time yeah. to think about it or anything because this takes us straight out of that moment and launches us straight into just chaos again yeah and as you said it is total chaos and the big bad thanos is back and like interestingly um, he's, armor, he's, he's armored up now as well yeah without the stones and at this point in the film i was thinking to myself okay it's go time let's <laughs> Let's kick some ass, like kind of thing. I, w- I was dying for a fight, and we did get one. We we, we oh, do we get a fight. We get yeah. We get a very good fight that's coming up. Um, but yeah, skipping through all like the wreckage stuff because oh. I, I mean yeah, a lot of wreckage scenes. It's a desperate fight to get out. Ant Man. I did love how Ant Man gets out um, Hulk and Rocket, <laughs> just oh, like yeah. going, shrinking down and then going huge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what he does. 
But yeah, um, and we get Thanos who decides to just wait. And he sends um, Nebula to get the gauntlet. Mm-hmm. And he's just going to wait to see who challenges him, basically. And we get none other than Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor. Yeah, I like this because in the first Avengers film, the f- I believe the first fight we see yep, is, is actually between Captain mm-hmm. America, Iron Man, and Thor. Yeah. So I, li- I like it that they were the first three to start this final battle. Yeah, they're almost the original tree. Um, if it might have just been me, but when they were walking up to Thanos, I was like, Thanos is fucked. Like, he yeah, is no, fucked. By all, he, by all, he should be, by all rights, because, I mean, Thor, despite having a beer belly, now has a braided beard, and he's got Stormbreaker, and Mjolnir, which we forgot to say he's brought back from the past. Oh yeah, this is another pin particles thing, where yeah. like, at the time I was like, oh deadly, but then afterwards I was like, so this creates a timeline where Thor doesn't have a hammer anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, what's gonna happen when like? <laughs> That's Cap exactly drops, what it does, you know. So yeah, anyway, he has Mjolnir as well. What we he does have as well is a beer belly. He still has that, so that yeah. takes him down. I, a few I, I I I actually love that they still included the beer belly. He didn't use any of his power to suck in his gut. Exactly. <laughs> as a as a as a larger human being, that made me feel good about myself. <laughs> if he can braid his beard, he can he can lose a few pounds. There's no doubt. Yeah, he didn't. <laughs> no I, doubt. I respected that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think he 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 needed to be a little bit obviously underpowered because. Like Captain Marvel, Thor is has proven himself to be strongest Avenger. Yeah. Over the last couple of films, um, but my mate Brendan said an interesting thing, which was that: Do you think the Thanos we see here is, in some ways, like a less calculating, more arrogant Thanos? Okay, he sits there and he lays a bit of a trap for the three heroes, but then when he fights, he's almost like more ruthless and he's just more gun ho. You know, he's younger, he's, yeah, he's not the stones, gonna, but he's... I was going to say, it seems like to me, this is a Thanos who knows his eventual fate and is fighting for his life. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's seen how it's going to work out and he knows yeah. he can beat them as well. He knows yeah. he can get these guys and he's confident. So he's all out aggression. Hmm. And they fight him and it's really cool. But the three heroes are quite rightly getting their asses kicked. <laughs> yeah, they have to, don't they? They have yeah. to. And then we do get, which is a comic book moment from the comics. And yes. It caused yes. it caused the cheer. It, it it caused the cheer in my cinema. I'm sure I'm sure caused the cheer in yours. And it was absolutely. You know, I I believe superhero films to merit being, just existing, being made. They have to have at least one great superhero moment where it gets like your hair stand up and you're like, holy shit, that's cool, kind of thing. Mm. For me, this was that moment when S.H.I.E.L.D. comes out and he's holding the hammer. I'm just like, I, I read that comic as a kid. I'm like, that's yeah. this is perfect. <laughs> like, now, <laughs> this film had a couple of those moments, to be fair. Like, it did a couple of times, but this, this was this, just this, the this ultimate. This third act like... has a few. Oh, man. The, everything about that scene, the way it's done, um, yeah, the fact and... that it's the the blade is going right into Thor's chest. The score that they play when yeah. he's lifting the the hammer and oh, when yeah, it flies it back so into good. his arms is fantastic. Yeah. When Thor's reaction, like I knew it, 
which yeah. again is so different than how he reacted in Age of Ultron when he thought yeah. Cap was going to lift it and he was like oh shit yeah. oh shit oh no Cap um, was definitely going to lift it yeah and it was I didn't see that coming again at all I just hadn't thought about it and it was I mean I hadn't predicted it I hadn't seen it coming but as soon as it did I'm like, like, like I couldn't have a problem with it because like, it's happened yeah. in the comics before I've read it in the comics I loved it in the comics I love it now yeah and to, he did one move at one point where like he bounced the hammer off the shield and it's one of just the coolest moves yeah. I've ever seen in a fight. <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. And like, but regardless, he still gets his ass kicked by Thanos. Yeah. He still gets beaten. Yeah. And you know what though? He cracks the shield as well. Oh he does, yeah. I forgot yeah, about that. Either. But at at that moment when like Thanos knocked him down, he'd had his moment with Mjolnir, he'd proved he was worthy. Yeah. Um he was the last man standing. And yeah. this is what made the next moment, the next big moment, actually so much sweeter because I thought that was it for Cap. I genuinely thought that yeah. that was it. I, he was going to die I was, right there. I, I, was, I was getting excited because I've been predicting that they're going to kill Captain America for a while. I thought it was going to be right. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's not wasn't how I was feeling at all. I was like, no, don't do it. No, because but, for me, had they given him this arc and then killed him there and then, I think Captain America might have become my favorite character had they done that to him. Yeah, I don't know. I think listen. I think it, the alternative, the way it worked out, was much sweeter. I think it was. It's very think, cool. It, yeah, you couldn't have had that moment if you had had that first moment. Probably. Oh no, no, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Um, Not to take anything away from what they do with his character there, I just would have been satisfied still if they killed him there. I mean, I was the same as you when Civil War was coming around, and at the end of that film, I thought this has to be the one. Because this is the one where he does go against the law a little bit. Yeah. Stands up for what he believes in. He stands up for Bucky. Um, he goes against all of his own values. He completes that character arc a little bit and then they leave him to to live. And of course, in the comics, I don't think it happens in Civil War, does it? But it's like one of the offshoots. He gets killed. So I was fully expecting like him to die in that movie. When he didn't, yeah. I, you know, I wasn't so sure. If it was going to happen, it probably should have happened then. But... Um, Listen, the next moment, the next moment on your left, Steve, was just, I adored that, I have to say. That was the first time I cried in this movie, and it was not the last. (laughs) (laughs) When the first portal opened, and Black Panther walked through with, was it Shuri, and with uh, Michonne, and they walked through. Um, That was incredible, wasn't it? How did you feel? That, again... Um, my screen for that was just amazing okay. you need yeah no the cinema was loving it when that happened yeah. it was cheers and they're all piling in and you're seeing oh. all the old faces and like this fucking even Valkyrie shows up but like um, yeah. for me the ultimate pre-battle ever like like pre-battle lineup is in Lord of the Rings Return of the King and it's just before the ride of the Rohirrim against the armies of Mordor on the fields of Minas Tirith. You know where King Theoden gives the whole speech and it's super rousing and emotional? <laughs> or are you not familiar? I'm familiar. I just think that to be fair, I think that this one hit me more. I have to say. You th- it's been, oh, it's been fuck, 20... You think... No, 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 no. It's been 21 and a half films in the making. And like... Nah, man. In terms of pure emotion, you like... You can't beat Theoden screaming death as he rides against they're outnumbered and they actually scare the orcs you can you can you have all these all these heroes you've gotten to know no 
Do you over know 11 why? years and you have Cap saying Avengers? Yeah. It's perfect. Do you know it's... do you know why you can't beat it specifically? Why, Joe? Because no matter how this movie was going to go, The Lord of the Rings naturally had more at stake in the fact that they could kill characters easier than they would in this. In fact, technically, not one major character dies throughout this battle. Um, same Which, Lord like, of the Rings, okay. though, isn't it really? Like, uh, no, King like Theoden dies. Uh, Thanos dies. Yeah. Tony dies. Yeah, I know, but like... The, the two up. main characters. <laughs> Listen, there's no, there's, no point, there's no need for one to be a winner here. They're both great moments. Uh, to be fair, I think I'm feeling a little bit strongly because all I've been seeing on my Facebook feed at the moment is that apparently the Battle of Winterfell in Game of Thrones is I, better I'm, than the Battle of Helm's Deep. And I'm yeah, sorry, I, I, if you I, don't I, have I seen Gandalf it, the White riding in from the east at dawn with the Rohirrim, it is not a better battle than the Battle of Helm's Deep. <laughs> okay, if this film had that, it would be perfect. Yes. Can we <laughs> Yes, I, I can agree on that. I'm still on season one of Game of Thrones. I'm on episode six, so I'm not even up to date. So, and say no more. But yeah. I said to my friend after this film, I don't see how the Battle of Winterfell could possibly go anywhere near to this. This one. Oh no, this is definitely the biggest battle on screen I've ever seen. It's yeah, an absolute CGI fest. It's huge, and like as it's like not to take anything away from it. Okay, I was like going on about the Lord of the Rings there, but like I love the Lord of the Rings. I grew up with those. They're some of my favorite films ever. Anyway, I did get that feeling in this. Like, as you said, even when Cap gives the classic Avengers Assemble, I loved that. Like, I, I literally wanted to stand up and cheer when he said that. Yeah. Like, I was having the most fun by that point in this film. That, that for it, me it was, cool. was the main... The, the moment he talked about the superhero moment, the hair standing up. Yeah, no, that's definitely the second in your one. Eyes, that was brilliant. Yeah, and the, no, that was uh, definitely it. again a shout out to the score, Alan Silvestri, Eugenius. The yeah. score for that that uh, that whole sequence is brilliant. Um, yeah, and the way it like leads into the Avengers team tune as well. Yeah, which actually is a banger. It's a very it good is tune. a banger. And I have kinda, to admit, it's a very good tune. I think they dropped it for um, a couple of Age of Ultron, and then not like a, like Civil War didn't use it, and yeah, they kind of only brought it back in for Infinity War, but yeah, it's made that moment and. The battle itself was pretty good. Um, yeah. the scale yeah, I of love it how it starts. But, yes, it couldn't. Um, the start, the start is perfect. The end is great, but there's a little bit of ropey stuff in the middle. Which we could yeah, touch we'll upon. get to that. But I was gonna say, what, like, because as I said, as when they charge into that battle, I wanted to stand up and pretty much fucking charge with them because I was having so much fun by that point. Yeah. it made it all that much better that the first collision between good guy and bad guy is giant Ant-Man punching one of those snake ships out of the sky. <laughs> and I was beside myself when yeah. I saw that. It was so good. Uh. <laughs> I think I prefer Ant-Man when he's massive rather than when he's tiny. Yeah, yeah. And like, it, they, they've, um, they've done it so many times now, but it still doesn't feel like overused. It's still, yeah, yeah it's still brilliant. Yeah. But anyway, going through the battle, it's, I mean, this action is fucking all over the place um everyone's there bucky has a moment doctor strange has a moment i mean actually doctor strange is one of my complaints about this battle but i'll get there um going right to the middle of it it's looking like thanos might lose 
So he calls his ship in to bomb the living shit out of them again. And I think you know where I'm going to go from here. (laughs) (laughs) Because who turns up at the most convenient time to take down Thanos' entire ship in one fell stroke? Do you want me to tell you? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's Brie Larson! Captain Marvel Carol Danvers arrives in the nick of time. Yeah. She's obviously been sitting up there just waiting. watching things with a bag of popcorn and going, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they don't need me. They don't need me. They're fine. Yeah. These other planets, you know, they've yeah. got people. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, again, again, it's just back to what we were talking about. So convenient that she shows up and, like, where the fuck were you for the last two hours? <laughs> and, and it's not, even the, it's not even the convenience. It's the, I'm going to fly in and destroy this massive ship all by myself with yeah. no hassle. I'm not thinking, my hair isn't even going to move as I do it. Yeah, exactly. And then, but yeah, it's it's the second time she's done that in two films. Yeah, she's destroyed an entire yeah. vessel. Um, and then we're supposed to believe afterwards that like this can still be an even fight with her. Yeah, as part of it, like, and that she's not yeah. gonna just instantly kill. Like, yeah, she's a frustrating woman. Yeah. Um. But yeah, throughout the battle, they are trying to get back the gauntlet with the Infinity Stones on it. That's mm-hmm. the whole reason for this battle. And we've got 2014 Nebula chasing after Hawkeye for it. Um, yes. Which eventually comes to the point where um, Nebula confronts um, her past self along with Gamora and Hawkeye's there and Nebula kills herself. <laughs> <laughs> it's dark. Which I found, gets I, real dark. I, found, I found quite cool. Yeah, but Nebula at the same time isn't really human at all she's built ah, but she's human on the inside you know? yeah no she becomes human Just. it's like it's like the whole blade runner thing yeah um and it was like again that metaphor of like her killing her past self yeah. letting go of the person she was and yeah. you know i think did you think that that broke a little bit of continuity there or do you think that's fine no i think that's fine um, what I didn't like is that that is, apart from a meager bit in the battle, it's basically the last we see of Gamora. Um, she does kick Quill in the nuts, which was great. Yeah, but yeah, but, but um, for, for a second, and then we never see her again, ever. <laughs> yeah. Was she in the, the female Avengers shot? Yeah, but that was pre-kicking um, Quill in the nuts. Oh, okay. Um... Yeah, getting yeah, to but... that female Avengers shot, because that obviously happens right as Captain Marvel comes in. Yeah. Um, she flies in, destroys everything, and takes the gauntlet from Spider-Man, Peter Parker. And he says, like, oh, like, basically it's going to be difficult getting through there. And I don't have a problem with having moments designed to showcase the women you've put in your film being really badass together i have a problem with hamming it up and forcing a moment to showcase the female talent that you have in this film and this moment's very forced yeah um i think it aired there was there was another moment kind of like it where it was towards the back end of captain marvel when she has that fight against her kind of first real fight as captain marvel yeah, and they play this really corny sound song over it. I can't remember what it is, but it's it's that real kind of like in your face. Yeah. I thought the Infinity War did that a lot better when they had almost there was one fight where they had um, 
it was Black Widow, yeah, Scarlet say, the, the, Witch, and the, yeah. somebody else. Shit, there was a remember. really good one in Infinity War with Black Widow and Okoye fighting that. Wait, yeah. Oh, what's her name? Midnight something, but one of Thanos's main bitches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a that was a fucking awesome moment for two female characters to have like their time in oh, the no, limelight. Scar- Scarlet Witch was there as well. Scarlet Witch was there as well. I think. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, no. She, yeah, she shows so, up towards the end of it. Yeah, yeah. But that that was just executed so much better because they didn't just make a big show of it. Yeah. Like it was just seamless, and they don't make those kind of shows when the men are doing things so much. Yeah. You know, it's just natural, and I don't. Yeah. That that was the problem. Was not like the it wasn't the, organic. The girls, the girls should have had that moment and everything, and I didn't. I didn't mind it that much. It just yeah, it did feel a little bit shoehorned, a little bit. Yeah. Just not that seamless. Um, but like there was a lot of things in that battle which were over the top and could have been done better to be fair like you know um scarlet witch's arrival i think was a little bit like that as well i think it's grand it didn't it didn't break it for me um but on no, the it doesn't, it doesn't break of... it for me but like i just feel like these scenes amongst some people they cause more division than unity if that makes any sense well, it's been yeah, it's been a bit of a topic, hasn't it, since the film came out? Which it shouldn't be for anything other than oh, that was great that they they had them all on screen at, yeah. like, at last. Um, it should be a positive point, but the fact that it leads to debate like we're doing is kind of yeah, it's unnecessary, and they could have probably avoided that. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go on the record again and say it's about time we've had female superheroes running the show. Oh yeah, um, girls, you're you're more than like, it's been it's been so so long, and you more than deserve um, to have great characters that you can look up to. Um, it's just do it well. <laughs> and they, but they do have good. They do have good. They they do, but again. they're not, they're not Black utilizing Widow's, the good characters. Black Widow's Probably. good. Gamora's good. Yeah, Nebula's Gamora's great. Pretty Nebula, good. Yeah, Nebula's a good character. Uh, I like I like Valkyrie. Val, yeah, Valkyrie has needs more screen time, but she's got the yes. bone something good. Um, and even Captain Marvel is fine. It's just like, yeah, oh, you know, it just makes sense. That's that's all. Like, well, we've seen, we've seen, we've already talked about what, like, with Thor, what you can do with a sequel to a character. So, they have every opportunity to just give her her own space, yeah. and hopefully, without yeah. the Thanos thing hanging over, I think she should have just been introduced in Phase Four anyway. Because yeah. again, that, that, there was no need for Again, what you're talking about, with, like. Gamora not having her moment in the battle. There was other guys who didn't have it too. Like Gamora didn't have it. None of the Guardians really had it. Like we didn't see much of Drax, much Quill. No, no, we, we just saw him like stabbing any... someone on the back and screaming. We did. We saw a Rocket and Group, but we didn't see a Rocket and Group reunion, which would have been awesome. Yeah, that would. That, we didn't yeah, see we did, we much of that. Strange, which was a shame yeah, considering my, how big he's been. I was going to say my biggest um, problem with Strange is again, it feels like um, the writers in the Marvel room, they don't know how to write overpowered characters that well because doctor strange with his powers he is quite an overpowered character so it felt like to me it's like oh we've already got captain marvel coming to this giant battle and she's really strong and we're going to showcase her because she's a new character and we've got this other really overpowered character what's he going to do oh he's going to control water yeah (laughs) but which is the same where she's super overpowered and yeah like yeah in those moments I thought that the Captain um, Marvel and Thanos fight was actually done quite well in how yes. they made her seem strong and they didn't tone down her power like it done with Thor. They yeah. didn't tone it down or anything. 
but he beat her naturally. But at the same yeah. time, you're like, why the fuck doesn't she just get back up and hit him again? <laughs> like, why are you why are you staying <laughs> yeah, now? Like, in that yeah. case, so yeah, like um, the rest the rest of the roster have taken so much punishment by this point. Like, yeah, and they're still getting up. Um, anyway, and I guess that's the ending, more or less. We move on to the moment when Thanos has beaten basically everybody. Yeah, and, and it feels Doctor like Strange turns to to Tony and he raises that one finger which tells him that there is only one way to beat him yeah. out of that four million and yeah, whatever and it was. And um This is this is a great moment to be fair. Fantastic moment. A yeah. fantastic moment and I, I I do love that he gets the glove and this, I mean he ends his arc basically as he ended his first film in the MCU. Yeah. That's very good writing, I have to say. It's a fantastic callback. I am Iron Man. Yeah, it's a brilliant callback. Um, the coolest way that he could possibly go out. I didn't I, I didn't think Tony would necessarily die this film. I did as it went along, obviously with the daughter with the daughter being introduced with yeah. the way to be fair, I was gonna say as soon as they as soon as they introduced the daughter, I'm like dead. Yeah, <laughs> like, can... I'm like, he's so I dead. That, I think my brother might have said it to me about half which he was like, Oh, he's dust, he is dead. Yeah, I know. But, <laughs> <laughs> Prior to it coming out, like I, I wasn't sure if they kill him off. I thought that he's so important to the to the franchise. He's the most watchable out of any of them, yeah. um, and he's always going to have a role. You know, if he was alive, he would always have something to do in the stories. Yeah. Even if it's he doesn't have to be, he doesn't have the calling that Captain America does, where he has to be in battle. He doesn't have to be at the front of every cause like we've seen yeah. in this film. He's able to walk away um, to an extent, but to end it like they did with him having his moment and in the first Avengers film there's a great line where Cap says to him like you're not the guy to make the sacrifice play you're not the guy who's you're not a hero you're just pretending to be and all this Yeah. and obviously in that film he also made the sacrifice play by attempting to close up the gap and all that but again it's a great callback to show like how much he has changed over the course of his 9-10 films and uh yeah, what a moment for him yeah. to snap. It was brilliant. Yeah. Um, um, now, I wanted, I wanted this quick aside talk about one character we haven't talked about, who's a fine, sorry, one actress we haven't talked about. It's Gwyneth Paltrow, who I <laughs> thought did her absolute best to spoil Tony's big moment. Tony yeah. sold it great. Tom Holland Tom sold it great. Tom Holland sold it great, yeah. You know, even Rhodey was standing there and didn't fuck up. Yeah. But I mean, Don when it came a great in, actor. When it came in, and oh, God, she's terrible, isn't she? She just, her Very face, wooden. she looked like she wanted to burst out laughing or maybe cry or maybe just like stare at him or think about what she's going to have in her fucking smoothie tomorrow. But she just was not in it at all. And uh, yeah. the, the only moment that, like, she almost ruined that, that scene by actually having her face visible to the camera. The only yeah. moment that it kind of came back was when she buried her head in his shoulder, basically. Yeah. But it was obviously she, like, like Pepper has to have that last moment with Tony. She has to, it can't yeah. be Peter. It can't be Rhodey. It can't be Steve. It has to be her. Um, I just think that she's not a great actress. I think she really showed it in that scene. Um, yeah, I and, completely agree. <laughs> It's the only, it was the first moment in the film where I kind of got taken out of it properly and was like, oh, God, this is that's pretty bad. <laughs> like, this is ruining yeah. the moment. Yeah. Um, what I did feel, um, I would have liked in past films 
to see a little bit more of Iron Man and Spider-Man together. But by that I mean just developing their relationship a bit more. Because I like Tom Holland a lot. I like Robert Downey Jr. a lot. I like the kind of almost father-son relationship they're almost having in these films. Yeah. I'm just not 100% convinced of it. I'm only, let's say, about 90% convinced of it. That's not bad. That's okay. It's yeah, no, worse. it's it's um, it's definitely yeah, it's definitely not bad. It's a nitpick. I would have liked a bit more. Yeah, I, I thought it was alright. Actually, I thought it was perfectly fine. Um, I kind of teared up a little bit when they had their hug in this film. Uh, if I'm <laughs> honest, but I don't know. I think Tom. I think Tom Holland came in at the right time in the the series in Civil War. They introduced him really well. Uh, I think that they were smart in Homecoming not to make it too much about Downey. Like, he was there in the background, and he was a huge part of that film, but it was Tom Holland's film, and he carried it, and he showed that he can be... He can lead a Spider-Man franchise and possibly the Marvel series going forward. Um, Yeah. And I think, obviously, yeah, maybe we could use a bit more, but, like, in these two films, both Infinity War and this, you just don't have the time, you know, and you've seen it... They really have had to choose so cleverly and, you know, the fact that they've had to sideline so many characters. I think they've yeah. done okay, actually. Like, the way they spent so much time together in Infinity War, um, they had that moment at the end when he went to dust and he had that famous line. And then, you know, they had a couple of scenes in this as well and they had the moment with the picture frame. I think it, they did it really well for what it had to do. Um yeah, I think in the, in the time frame they had, they've done a very good job. It'll be quite interesting now to see, because obviously Spider-Man um, Far From Home is the film now closing out Phase 3, and like it's the epilogue to this film. So what kind of impact is Tony's death going to have on Peter? Yeah. That's when we'll kind of see, maybe that can salvage it a little bit for you, where they'll see how does that relationship actually tangibly affect Peter's character. Is it going to be like the MCU's version of what Uncle Ben is supposed to be, where it's formative and it's a huge yeah. moment for him and he grows up. So maybe in that it can be as big a moment as it would have been alive. They still have another couple of films to, to yeah, trash yeah. it out for. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so Tony Stark is dead, Thanos is gone, and the heroes have won. And we go to a very good voiceover from Robert Downey Jr., message that he's left oh, yeah. his friends and family in case of his demise which he's obviously been prepared for yeah. um i like the funeral scene i like that it's almost like a gallery of heroes at the end of everyone who is in attendance i yeah also like that they included the boy from iron man 3 sorry i don't know what <laughs> i had to talk about this moment because i again i i absolutely thought that scene was fantastic the one shot it was great and closing it off on the proof that Tony Stark had a heart, just as that yeah. monologue kind of ended, was beautiful. I thought it was yeah. really well done. It was the fourth and final time I cried during this movie. But I, I when I saw that kid, I, I can't even remember his name, I was like, who the fuck is that guy? Yeah, the, pro- the like, problem I is... I no idea who he was. Yeah. I, you know, the, I, I think the problem with that is Iron Man 3 came out five years ago 20 yeah 2011 or 12 wasn't it yeah and that kid like 
I think, was just on the cusp of puberty then. Yeah. <laughs> He's had five <laughs> years to get facial hair and get taller and like change a lot so he's very unrecognizable yeah it's been it's been five years and like iron man has had five more films so yeah you know we've he's seemingly moved on because he hasn't mentioned this kid and i think as an audience 95 percent of people have probably moved on as well even people who be fans of him so it actually is a nice touch though it is a nice touch to have because i feel i feel his importance in iron man 3 was a bit understated because having not been for that kid who knows what Tony would have done at the time. Yeah, and it's actually an underrated film, I think, in the overall canon. People forget about it. Yeah. Uh, and it's definitely flawed, but in terms of those character moments for Tony and his relationship with whatever that kid's name was, and, yeah. uh, and even Pepper in that film, yeah, they do a lot of groundwork for oh, like, yeah, yeah, what yeah. he is as a character. Yeah, so, and that was the first one to go a little bit darker than other Marvel films had gone. Yeah, exactly. Because they had was, like, the, kind of, the PTSD stuff going on with Tony yeah. and... Yeah, it was the first one to show almost real, tangible effects in the characters' yeah. psyches. And it's something that they probably haven't touched on as much since. It was something that yeah. they did really well in Endgame in the first hour. Um, but actually, overall, I have to say that this film did that really well. Oh, yeah. Um, in terms of, like, I, just, I won't click my fingers again. Um, in terms of calling back to earlier films that maybe weren't too well received, I thought that the writers did it fantastically with The Dark World. Yeah. Um, which is obviously a film that gets shit on all the time. I fucking for good reason. For good reason. But they kind of made it a little bit more important in hindsight with this. I guess. Um so between that and Iron Man, I thought it was just a nice they just they just did that they dovetailed it nicely and they spent time kind of elevating some Marvel films which maybe are forgotten or shit upon and gave them a little bit more relevance now. Yeah. In hindsight that when people rewatch them, there's a little bit more to Thor's relationship with his mother, a little bit more to Robert Downey's relationship with that kid and all that. I, yeah, it was, an, it was a nice moment to include him, but it took me out of it personally. I, I think was, like, for me, was for me, what it did was, I mean, because for me, this this 11-year cycle of films, for me, it's basically all about Iron Man. It started with Iron Man, it's finishing with his death. And that, as I said, it was kind of like a gallery of heroes because this is everyone who's been impacted or has had an impact on Tony Stark's life throughout the series of films. So I think that was just a way to showcase every single one of them. Yeah, and it was probably the only... I'd love to know how many shots were required for that kind of... Yeah. That big battle, but it was probably the only time in the whole series that we're going to get all those characters in the one place in oh, real yeah. time, in the one frame. Yeah. Uh, or in the one, sorry, in the one shot, which is, um, yeah, just a special moment in itself. Yeah. Um... I do have a problem with this scene, though. Let's go. I mean, it's a scene I like and I don't like at the same time. What's What's it's, the matter with it? It's um, just after we see everyone at the funeral and Happy is sitting down with Tony's daughter. Oh, don't... Sh- no, don't shit on this moment. No, wait, no. I, I love like that this... moment, 3000. Wait. Do not shit on the cheeseburgers. <laughs> wait, wait. No, no. I was going to say, I like this moment because it's a callback to the original Iron Man because when they save um, Tony from Afghanistan, he comes back. The only thing he wants is an American cheeseburger. So her saying that she likes cheeseburgers and happy saying your dad loves cheeseburgers, I'll get you all the cheeseburgers you want, is very cute. Mm-hmm. I don't well, know if it's something you'd be saying to a five-year-old who's just lost her father. <laughs> What do you like want? On, this, this like on the day, 
Like on the like, to be fair, what what bugged me about it the most is that he just goes like, "Hey, are you okay?" Like <laughs> to me, it just seems so asinine to ask someone that at a funeral of a parent. It just <laughs> nitpick. I, yeah, I mean nitpick. Yeah, but to I do. I, that, like, I do like the scene being, at the same time. Happy being happy. He's been around her childhood, and he's been yeah. around her since the incident, since her dad passed, and also. Sure, he was there when they were watching the, the recording and everything. So yeah, he was. He's he was been around, um, and I, you know, I assume that he was. You want to distract the kid and you want to talk to her, but also Happy hasn't been shown to the, be the most suave character in these uh, films. I, he's, uh, I he's you're right. He's occasionally awkward, and it's his way of communicating with the kid. Like you've seen him, the only kind of character apart from Tony we've seen him have a big relationship with so far has been Tom Holland, who he derides and he. Yeah. Yeah, he has a real. I don't even think you can call it a love hate relationship. It's no, just, no, it's a hate. Yeah, so this, in a way, it's a nice character moment for Happy to see. Like, this is his way of saying, "I'm gonna be there for you," and then like, it's gonna be, it's not gonna be necessarily okay or whatever, but I'm gonna be there and I'm gonna buy you all the cheeseburgers. And I'm gonna look out for you, and it's just the way he knows how he's gonna do what he did for Tony for her, and it's just, I I thought it was really nice. Yeah, that's what I mean. It is really nice. I wish it were executed a little bit more eloquently. That's what I'm going to say. Okay, I get that. Um, I still I still like it. Yeah. I just, it, maybe a slight writing tweak could have improved it for me a little bit, but I mean, what do I know <laughs> at the end of the day? I think, well, I think there's a couple of little things like that in the scene where um, if you skip forward to what happens next, I wouldn't be sending a sending Captain America back in time and fiddling with that at the best at the funeral of my best mate <laughs> like to be fair trying to I, jut him out I don't of there think, on the day and all that I don't think they intended for that to be exactly on the day of the funeral I imagine that's a few days later at least I, mm, it's kind of the same day isn't it it's very much no, shown because it, the it, same... it, it, it happens no it happens after like um, Thor joins the Guardians and he announces that Valkyrie is going to be the new now queen of Asgard, new Asgard, sorry. Yeah. So I imagine it's at least a few days later. It just seems to be mm, maybe true. I mean maybe uh, maybe after they bury Tony, they all stayed at the house together for a while. Yeah, actually possible. To be, I didn't think of that. Um, I just yeah assumed that it was in connection. But uh, if it was a couple of days later, it would take away another complaint that I'd have about that moment um is of, like when steve comes back yeah a little bit later on that was probably my least favorite moment of the film and i still have problems with it um although it was that's a nice... your least favorite moment of the film no no <laughs> come on <laughs> it's not my least favorite moment but it was the only thing properly apart from Gwyneth paltrow apart from her that like when i was watching it really made me go like Oh, that's a problem. They were doing so well, and that's a problem with the narrative. That's a problem with the story. That's going to impact on my perspective of this this series. Um, my problems. My, the one I was going to talk about was I didn't think he should be giving away his shield and all that at the funeral of his mate and crowning a new Captain America. A bit soon, but okay. But I also had since, a problem. I also had now a problem. Since I've told you, it probably wasn't the funeral of his mate. Does yeah. that change? Yes, it does. It probably would. Um, it was still. 
quite soon for me, but I suppose it's you know yeah. it's not real time. Well, for um, him, it's been years. Exactly. Yeah, for him, it's been a while. Um, <laughs> and he doesn't care about Tony anymore. But what else? I was gonna say. Oh yeah, no. The thing I had an issue with was the whole fucking him going back and dropping the time stones. Sign of the time stones. The stones back off. So like. Obviously, he went to Vormir. He dropped the stone back off at Red Skull. He went back to um, to the Ancient One, dropped that back off. Yeah. Went back to the 70s, and that's where he went and got Peggy, presumably. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm fine with that, but like, I do think that oh. the film kind of contradicts itself a little bit. You You brought up a problem I had with that scene, actually. I completely forgot about. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Might be a bit of a nitpick. But when he sees her through the glass in the 70s, we get a pretty good look at Hayley Atwell, wouldn't you say? I would say, yeah. I would yeah. think so. Okay, yeah. now, Captain America the First Avenger is set in World War Two. Yes. Yes? Yes. <laughs> and, I mean, I suppose she's meant to be maybe in her mid, maybe to late 20s in that film. Mm-hmm. Yes. Why hasn't she aged a day when he sees her in the 70s? Because girl's looking after herself. <laughs> oh, come on. Well, like... It's been like 30 years. Um... By the, well, by the, I when does... She should get, she should when does um, tell me this. When does the <laughs> when does the Agent Carter TV series take place? I haven't watched it, so I can't tell you. Oh, Google. It. I'm going to Google it right now. If that takes place... Look, it doesn't really explain the anti-aging thing. Um, ugh, I don't know. Uh, you're after... Pe- That's another thing I hadn't thought about. And I don't really want to think about it too much because it's going to... Uh, it's going to give me problems. Okay. First season of Agent Carter takes place in 1946. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, she's... Mm. She should be at least 50. Uh, um... Yes, yeah, definitely. Well, it's a nitpick. I can forgive it. I probably would. Yeah, it was a bit jarring. She's at least late twenties in Captain America. Yeah, (laughs) come on now. She's possibly a thirties, to be fair. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I'd I'd be interested to know what age she is supposed to be in the Winter Soul. No, when she dies, Civil War. Like, what what age is she supposed to be then? Or like, what age does she live to? What age is she? Because we, we could definitely figure this out with a quick Google. Um, oh, yeah, I'm, try, I'm trying to look that up. But, yeah. wasn't something I thought about. And uh, now I see the problem. Um, um, it's not giving me an age here. It's just giving me cause of death. What was that out of interest? Um, it's not too clear. But we <laughs> it's safe to assume she's got Alzheimer's and pneumonia and dehydration. That's a lot uh, to assume. Apparently heart failure, and we can assume cancer isn't far behind. This is what I'm reading, which is Jeez, brutal. They're, they're, <laughs> they're assuming a lot, considering there's not much to go on. Um, but yeah, but it does say here, one way or another, she'd have been roughly in her 90s by the time Civil War happens. Yeah. So she uh, old. <laughs> she, she is old. Which would, yeah, which would have made her in her 50s. Easily. Um, but yeah, okay. Let's be fair then. That is a catch. That. Getting getting cap on your fifties. He's <laughs> incredible. Yeah, he's he's hopelessly in love. Yeah. Wait, so the, <laughs> but then when he went back, he ages like yeah, he ages normally and everything. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was just, that was me thinking out loud. 
Yeah, my, so, my, my problem with it was more just the fact that I am unsure about the idea of Cap kind of living on in the background of all the other films because I don't um, think that that, unless that's doing a Fast and the Furious again and going off on a different road, like I don't think that it does. I think the implication is that he's very much in the same timeline as we are and that himself and Peggy have basically been existing in the background of the other films. Yeah, which, from... one, I just find hard to believe considering our current day cat has met Peggy and knows her niece quite intimately and has been to her funeral and all this stuff. But also, it's kind of out of character to a degree uh, for Cap, I think, to just up sticks and like be able to sit there while, you know, Bucky is being tortured um, for like 70 fucking years while he knows Black Widow is going to die, like to be able to rest easy like that. But no, but um, I don't think it. I don't think it does at the same time because if you think about it, it's the end game of it all. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. He knows what the end game is going to be. He knows how it's going to turn out, and if that's the way it has to turn out for, in order for him to as well get the life he always wanted, then lurk in the shadows. And as well, if it's telling me on the internet that Agent Carter did have Alzheimer's at the time of her death, she probably doesn't even remember. Hmm. <laughs> Okay. I mean, you can read into it as well that maybe, like, oh, Doctor Strange told them that if you fiddle with Bucky or you fiddle, not in a weird way, but, like, if you mess with the timeline <laughs> with Bucky or with, uh, with Nat, Natasha, like, it's going to fuck up the end game and we're not going to get here. So yeah, unless, or, like, or maybe he just it, came yeah. to accept, maybe he just came to accept it that way, that this is the way it's got to be. And yeah, yeah. fuck but it. In a, in a lot of ways, like, in <laughs> In terms of the actual ending and him like getting his last dance and everything, it was the perfect ending for his character. I thought it was really good. Oh yeah, oh yeah, uh, well deserved. And uh, I think that this film did a great, great job of wrapping up his arc as a character. And like you said, yeah. going a long way towards like towards towards making him like one of the like the best characters in the MCU and making him relatable, which is something he hasn't been. Yeah. A lot of the way through. This film did win me over to Cap's size for the first time, I think. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Rewinding a bit, something I want to discuss with you. Um, You know I've got my oath to keep with my friend Alan now. Oh, yeah. You should explain to the five listeners who are probably tuned out considering this is almost two hours long. Yeah, we're we're clocking in at an hour and 47 minutes now, but basically... Me and my friend have made a pact with each other that because it's been 11 years in the making, Avengers Endgame will be the last um, MCU film we watch in a cinema. Mm-hmm. Unless there are only two conditions. Unless mm-hmm. there is a substantial change in the formula of these films. Let's say mm-hmm. if they try to appeal to a more adult demographic and do R-rated films. Probably not going to happen, so that's a pretty safe one. Or... Taika Waititi writes and directs a film. If he's at the helm of a film, we will happily go see it. If not, Endgame is the last, because it should be the end. But I was about to discuss with you, coming back to this pact, how badly and how much do you want to petition and as Guardians of the Galaxy, written and directed by Taika Waititi? I would love that. I would love that, but if they... <laughs> They brought that racist gun back, so... <laughs> <That's> not... 
Um, <laughs> no, but I think like we're gonna. Uh, that's presumably what it's gonna be. Like it's gonna be yeah. as Guardians of the Galaxy. I hope so. That's what it's gonna be. So, um, I think it's. I I would love to see, and as Guardians of the Galaxy, I think it's actually possible because I think Guardians of the Galaxy Three is gonna be the end of James Gunn's Guardians. I can't see him potentially staying on with Marvel after that. Um I think I can see like Chris Pratt leaving. I can see um Dave Batista, um a lot of that cast leaving. So it wouldn't surprise me if uh if say Guardians four or whatever it is is as Guardians of the Galaxy is the actual name of the film in phase five or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think that Taika Waititi will direct another another film. Um, whether it's as Guardians of the Galaxy, whether it's Tor Four, uh, whether it's I don't know Fantastic Four, which would be fucking awesome. Uh, I think it'll do something else, definitely. So I, but I also I I'm not gonna commit to any sort of that kind of bet. Any like I'm I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, you're I'm a fanboy. I'm not a fanboy, as you, you can are, tell. You are, you are, a total fanboy. The last two hours of mature discussion, I can look at these films very objectively. However, I did cry four times. <laughs> yeah, I, you um, love it 3,000. <laughs> I love it, I think, yeah, I do love it 3,000. Um, <laughs> you're more in the six to 900 range. I think that, like, I don't know, they just, they just really hit home, and I didn't start off the Marvel films really loving them. You know, I, I'm a comic fan growing up and everything, and grew up on comic book movies comic book video games everything else but just they didn't really hook me until probably midway through phase two or after seeing the avengers maybe the first one possibly between between avengers and like guardians those two films probably mm. kind of hooked me into the whole the universe they're building and the lore the sense of humor and everything else um but they still put out like some fucking clangers as well. Like they can't be forgiven for everything, and there are issues with them. I think that going forward, this should be the end game, and it kind of pisses me off a little bit to see. Yeah, in complete agreement with you there. Not so much seeing like there has to be more films, and I don't think that they should like that. Both because I want to see more films, but also because. <laughs> Obviously, they're going to make more films. Yeah. Who, like, if Kevin, if Kevin, no, but if Kevin Feige or somebody said, like, oh, this is like artistically, we should stop now. If I was, I'd be like, what are you doing? Why? They're making so much money. Like, it would be ridiculous. And people are invested in these stories. They want to see more. I just think that um, they should take a break. Definitely. I think Spider Man is coming out far too soon. And like, oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. It's in July. I also think, yeah. So, yeah, it's far too soon. Having the Black Widow film, I think it's supposed to be scheduled for like March, next year, April I think. next year, which again is too soon. And I think you should dead. take definitely, and she's dead. We won't even get into that. <laughs> I think a full year at least should be taken. I do think that they should continue on with this. If, if you ask me, universe, even but... a year would even a year would be too soon because had they, because what I did like about this film is it feels like an end with the funeral and with the last scene of Cap. If, it feels like this is it. Like you're not going to see these characters ever again. And I feel like it should have been that way. We should have not seen another Marvel film involving these characters for, a, if you had to ask me specifically, 
five years, but realistically for at least two to three years and then start another phase and start building another universe from there. You, you've already got the groundwork. You could bring back some of the heroes that you've used in this current one, but had they done that and this was a legitimate end, this film would have resonated more with me. That's the probably the biggest criticism I have with it, but it's almost an unfair one at the same time. Yeah, I think I think it was an end because I think it's pretty unlikely bar tour that we'll see a lot of these characters again. Oh no! Think, like we'll see Hawkeye. We we could see Thor. Sorry, not Thor. Uh, Hulk. Um, and obviously Black Widow. But actually, that's four to six, isn't it? <laughs> but, yeah. And what? what you, I, um, Scarlet Witch is getting a TV series. Um, Falcon is getting a TV series. Falcon Bucky. is now Captain America. Bucky they set up to become White Wolf anyway. We're definitely going to get a Black Panther too. I mean, uh, no, I think I think obviously that they have to keep running with what they've this the heroes that they've introduced. My main issue with them going forward just would just be that I don't think a lot of the new heroes have the same charisma or the same appeal as the ones we've already just lost. So I think yeah. Spider Man is great. Tom Holland is fantastic, and I'd watch. I'm totally happy for him to keep making Spider-Man films. I think Black Panther has potential, but he probably um, he needs a strong second film. I think, like you said earlier on, Doctor Strange, one of the coolest characters in terms of mythos. He's so powerful. I don't think that the first film was great, so and I'm not sure that I'd be that psyched about him kind of taking over the Tony mantle, that's sort of the brains of the of the Avengers, mm-hmm. and like his his kind of his humor and everything doesn't really always land with me. And um, we've already discussed Captain Marvel already. And I think they just haven't got a great reserve of characters now. So we'll see, like I'm going to keep watching them. Um, but I definitely don't have the hype to, to keep the train rolling on phase four. Let's start it two months time. Let's go. What's yeah, happening next? Like, Who's a new villain? It's just it's there should that's be. What, that's, that's what I mean. I I feel like had they actually ended it here, and taken a good few years off, it really gives fans the chance to sit with what happened in the past eleven years, and really say goodbye to some of those characters and process all of it. And I feel that them starting again right away, like going straight into a Spider-Man movie, it's, for me, at least in my opinion, it's racked up the pressure on them significantly now. Because how do you deliver now after Endgame? Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. And I think it's a compliment to them in how much, how well they did deliver. But also, I just don't see how they can top it. And yeah. at least in the short term, you know, I think they're very capable of building another long-form arc, which... Okay, maybe it's not gonna. It won't be the same, and it might not rival yeah. it because this was special. But they can do something really cool, like an, a new story over another two or three phases or whatever. Because they have so many other great villains they can use, so many characters to introduce. Um, but just in the short term, everything's going to be compared, and whatever the next phase is, whoever the Avengers fight in their inevitable team up is going to feel fucking, you know, small and insignificant and paltry compared to what they just did and especially when they have these overpowered characters like Doctor Strange Captain yeah. Marvel the Eternals you know they're gonna have these characters who are just otherworldly unstoppable and 
I hope they don't lose that human aspect, but I just think that yeah, it's gonna I would be have rather they came back down to earth a bit after this. Like, I mean, if I were Kevin Feige, and obviously I'm not, I'm not a millionaire running the show. No, <laughs> but uh, if it were if it were me, I would have I would have taken a few years off from specifically Marvel. But since Disney has just acquired Fox, I would have taken that time to fix the X Men and fix the Fantastic Four, yeah, and leave I... MCU alone. No, no, I'd leave the X Men. To be fair, I'd like obviously you're gonna uh, do to be something fair, the, like X- them. the x-men are probably gonna crash and burn of dark phoenix this summer anyway <laughs> so so that's what i mean they're gonna leave a sour taste in them out yeah. after july or whenever that it's is fa- so it's fantastic four though like i, I used to love no, the fantastic four comics when i was a kid definitely and i actually think that the fantastic four more than a lot of the characters that they've introduced so far have the potential to fill in for the characters they've just lost oh yeah like, well, like mr fantastic is could be a replacement for tony stark like exactly the 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 thing could easily be a replacement for the Hulk and, yeah, in his exactly and, and I mean and I mean come on you get one of the coolest villains automatically in Doctor Doom the that's what I was gonna say as well is that going forward if they're gonna have a overarching villain to replace Thanos Doom is the perfect oh, candidate yeah, yeah be, Doom is Doom is a great villain is much smaller scale but yeah. he's much smarter he he's more human and yeah he's just had such fucking cool stories. Oh yeah, and even, even the outfit is so cool in the comics. Yeah, and that, that what, metal body with the green like robes. What I do want to see though is um I if they do Fantastic Four again, I don't want to see Doom be like the villain because they've done that three times now. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, he'd have to be introduced have, later as the villain. And I don't know, I don't know really what the canon of villains is like for Fantastic Four, but I think he sh- he needs to be introduced. Almost separately. He needs to, or... Yeah, he needs to be the big bad, not the small bad. He needs to be the big villain of the whole spectrum rather than just one film. What they should do is, if they want to go O-rated or if they want to go totally left field, they should do like a Doom solo film, which is his origin story, which just well, flips their whole Funny that you mentioned that. Um, are you familiar with Noah Hawley? Uh, is that Legion? Yeah, that is Legion. I, I loved the first season of Legion. He was also the writer of the Fargo TV series. Um, about two years ago, he was tapped to write and direct uh, Victor Von Doom's solo film, but it's recently gone quiet. Oh, shit. Yeah. Interesting. Probably not going to happen because this was when Fox was still in charge. Yeah, but he'd be a guy you'd fucking love to bring into the MCU, oh, wouldn't you? Like, yeah. He'd be such a different take than everything else I've gotten. And they are really good at bringing in like indie filmmakers and stuff who you wouldn't think are necessarily suited for... And Legion was so cool. Big blockbusters. I haven't seen Legion. I've heard great things though. Oh, so no. The I first, the first season of, of Legion is so good. I, I need to catch up because I, I loved that show. Genuinely. It was so good. It was, it, was, it was like if Wes Anderson did superheroes. It was so cool. Um, I'm literally going to watch it like the second. Has I sold it for you? Yeah, that is sold. Take my money. <laughs> anyway, we could probably go on about other projects we want to see further on. But I think we should come to the final thoughts on Endgame and conclude this podcast once and for all. Um, yes. Would you like to go first? Okay, so I thought that it was a perfect end to the Infinity Saga, as they're calling it. The arc they've built, um, it had its flaws, but on in terms of pure emotion... It really hit home for me. Again, I just 
I cried multiple times. I thought in terms of the original Avengers, Bar Black Widow, they gave everyone a satisfying end to their arc. And at this point, if you didn't see any of them again in films and TV, you'd be happy. Um, so, yeah, well, it did make some mistakes. I thought it played pretty much every move right. It surprised me from the start. Um, right the way through to the finish. And as I said, I love a 3000. <laughs> okay, well, my thoughts on it. I'm not as heavily into the MCU as you are, as you know. But I have to hand it to Marvel and to Disney for the achievement that it is to build this universe over 11 years. They did it in the correct way, not like DC are trying to do it by trying to start it so quickly. And they've really done the fans a service with this final film, I think. The way I sum it up is that fans of the MCU absolutely adore it, and they do. It's obvious that they do. And I think even more casuals like me, I mean, I enjoyed it. I had a great time at the cinema. It didn't feel like three hours. Um, I only felt the pacing went off maybe in the last 10 minutes where I was just going like, oh my God, please end. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, no. On the whole, I had a really good time. I did like it. And as you said, bar Black Widow, everyone got a satisfying ending. And those are my final thoughts on Avengers Endgame. Great. Yeah. Well, don't well, we almost, if we go for another 48 minutes, we'll uh, hit the runtime. So I think we've definitely <laughs> gone on, this is been terrible podcast structuring, but it's been a lesson for... Uh, yeah, for, for all of us involved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, since we've gone on for so long, Dave, I need to thank you for appearing with me and you will appear again on a future podcast in some way, shape or form. Hopefully it'll be, um, no, actually no, it'll definitely be better recorded than this one currently is. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to be here on Skype. Always a pleasure. And yeah, that's the Avengers Endgame special. I've been your average Joe, and I will see you soon.